What is up guys, it is Quinn here, and in this video, I'm gonna be running through my start sits at the running back position heading into week four. So we're gonna be breaking down every single week four matchup. There are gonna be timestamps down below if you guys wanna jump around to you know, your specific running backs, that is totally cool. But going through every single week four matchup, talking about every single fantasy relevant running back, and listing you know, them either as starts or a sit. So do I trust them in my lineup or would I rather have them on my bench? And then if you guys have any fantasy questions before we jump into it, this could be start sits, it could be waiver wire, it could be trades. If you guys drop those down below, I'll respond back to every single person. And then one more thing before we do jump into the first matchup, I have a super you know, solid offer for you guys here. I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with underdog. You maybe have heard some other people talk about it. For me, I've been you know doing drafts on underdog for I think like two years now. I'll reference their ADP throughout the off season, but I actually have a promo code through them now. So if you guys sign up for underdog using code Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N, they will double your first deposit up to $100. So if you guys wanna put in $20, They'll give you 20 on top of it. You'll have $40. I'm never going to come on here and talk about a product or service that I don't personally believe in. I use Underdog. You know, I've used it for over a year. You know, the last two years when I've really been getting into, you know, the fantasy content creation, I've been using their platform, referencing their ADP. So I do think it is a really solid product. So if you guys are interested, there's going to be a link down below that you should be able to press it. It'll kind of send you right to the uh, sign-up spot. If you want to go through the, uh, you know, the website, code Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N. I'd really appreciate it, but let's jump into the first matchup. Thursday night football, we have the Dolphins taking on the Bengals. And I've already kind of talked about this Dolphins backfield in my sell high video, but we're going to run through it again. So I do have Chase Edmonds here listed as a start, Raheem Mostert as a sit. Now you may be wondering, you know, maybe you've looked at the box score, you've seen the stat sheets, Raheem Mostert has outcarried Chase Edmonds in each of the last two weeks and they have both seen the same number of targets in the last two games. So just looking at overall workload, you'd probably expect Mostert to be the start, or at least have them, you know, both be starts, both be sits. And it's just a very weird situation, because if you know anything about Chase Edmonds, you look at him last year with the Cardinals, he was the third down back, he wasn't getting any goal line work, and he was more of like the, you know, receiving option, James Conner was the early down guy, the goal line guy. Chase Edmonds this year is does not have the receiving role. That's going to, uh, it's about a 50-50 split between both Edmonds and Mostert, but you would expect him to have that spot locked down. He does not. Instead, we're seeing Chase Edmonds get the goal line work, even though we are seeing Raheem Mostert dominate the early downs. So normally if a running back's getting the early down work, they're also going to be getting the goal line carries. That's just not what's going down here in Miami. We actually saw Edmonds take all five of the goal line carries but then, like I said, you have Mostert taking a lot of the early down work. So basically, I'm not confident in either of these running backs on a week-to-week basis. But if I was going to start one of them, it has to be the guy who's getting the goal line carries because this is going to be a top offense. They're going to be putting up a decent number of points. And so I want the guy with the touchdown upside. If neither guy is going to give you a ton of carries or a ton of receiving work, just give me the guy who can get into the end zone. So that's why I have Edmonds here as a start and then Mostert as a sit. On the other side with the Bengals, I've talked about Joe Mixon as a buy low candidate. The volume is totally there. He just hasn't had great efficiency and he hasn't gotten into the end zone. Trust me, if you're a Joe Mixon owner, there are better games ahead. The next matchup, we're going to move over to Sunday. We have the Vikings taking on the Saints. 
two pretty clear workhorses here who have gotten off to slow starts. From everything that I've seen, it looks like Dalvin Cook should be good to go here in week four. He left week three with a shoulder injury. We know he has a, you know, pretty long history with his shoulder problems, but I still think Dalvin Cook is a very strong start if he does play. The volume's there. Another guy who just kind of needs to get into the end zone. I do think he scored in week three, but maybe he can keep it rolling here in week four. On the other side with Alvin Kamara, he also has a problem getting into the end zone. This is still a player, I think, who's going to be a top 12 running back at the end of the season. I'm not panicking yet on Alvin Kamara. Then we have the uh, Browns taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Two of these starters coming off some really solid games. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, I think both of these guys are starts on a week-to-week basis. Obviously, you know, it's going to depend on who gets the touchdown when we're looking at what guy has the bigger game. We saw Kareem Hunt get the touchdowns in week one. He had the massive game. And then Nick Chubb the past two weeks been getting into the end zone. But I still think both of these guys are strong starts. This is a game, another solid matchup for them where they're probably not going to go down early. So they're going to be able to pound the ball. It's going to benefit these running backs going up against the Falcons. And then for the Falcons, Cordero Patterson coming off of a massive, massive game. His week two usage was a little bit concerning because he was basically splitting carries dead even with Tyler Algier, wasn't getting super involved as a pass catcher. They gave him a much larger workload on the ground. So good to see there for Cordero Patterson. He's a start. Tyler Algier is going to be a sit. Then we have a pretty solid matchup here between the Bills and the Ravens. For the Bills, I have Devin Singletary listed as a start. If you want to hear more about Singletary, I talked about him as a sell-high player. So I still think he's a solid RB3, but I don't think he's like this locked-in, top-tier start. First two weeks, not really doing anything in terms of production. Comes out as a massive week three. I just am not super confident in him, but if he's like your flex option, you you know start three running backs, I think you know he's a decent play. And then sitting his backups, James Cook and Zach Moss. On the other side with the Ravens, I think a lot of people are going to want to throw J.K. Dobbins into their lineups. And I think J.K. Dobbins will totally be a viable start down the stretch. But just hear me out why I'm a little bit cautious about starting J.K. Dobbins here in week four. And uh, I guess Justice Hill also, who I guess is like split in the backfield with him currently. But when we're looking at J.K. Dobbins, this was his first game back from his ACL tear. It's clear they want to bring him back, you know, semi-slowly, but the usage was just not good in his first game back. And that's as expected, but it's something that I want to see picked up before, you know, I do play him. So J.K. Dobbins had a 47% snap share. I don't think that was terrible when we're looking at first game back. The more troubling areas was just where the snap share went. So J.K. Dobbins only played on 33% of the goal line snaps, only 33% of the short yardage snaps, 0% of the third down snaps, and then he had 53% of the early down work. So he was just getting a lot of like the, you know, first and tens, second and eights. He wasn't getting the third and ones. He wasn't getting the work on the goal line. He wasn't getting really any pass catching opportunities. Finished the game with seven carries, two targets. So I truly think that on this Ravens offense, J.K. Dobbins could be a guy getting 55% of the snaps, and he could be startable due to touchdown upside but he's not getting that touchdown upside if he's not playing on the third downs. That's more receiving upside. He's not getting the touchdown upside if he's not getting the goal line work. So I still think he's going to continue to build up his snap share, but he's going to need to build up his snap share in the right areas because I don't care if he's rushing 12 times for 60 yards. If he's not getting an opportunity to score and he's not touching passes or not catching passes, this is not a good role for him. 
So I think in a few weeks, he'll be solid. But right now, I will be sitting him and then also Justice Hill, who is splitting touches and currently getting those more valuable opportunities. Next matchup, a divisional game between the Commanders and the Cowboys. For the Commanders, I think this could be the last week we see Antonio Gibson locked in as a solid start. I'd be trying to sell off of him right now, but I do still have him as a start. And then sitting the pass catching back, J.D. McKissick. For the Cowboys, I think we're starting Zeke and Pollard. Finally saw Zeke have a solid fantasy game. You know, Pollard, I think, is going to be more consistently involved as a pass catcher. Didn't really get a ton of work on Monday night. I think Dak came out and said that he's not ruling out a week four return. I wouldn't expect him to be back in week four, but it would definitely do wonders for this offense if he did return. And both these guys would see a little bit of a boost, you know, moving forward. Then we have a matchup between the Seahawks and the Lions. For the Seahawks, I'm sitting all three of these running backs, Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker, DJ Dallas. And I do just want to talk about this backfield a little bit. So we have all three of these dudes getting, you know, semi-consistent work game to game. All three of these dudes are involved. We're seeing Rashad Penny take the early down work and the short yardage situations. Then we're seeing DJ Dallas take half the third downs and then basically 100% of the two-minute drill opportunities. And then we're seeing Kenneth Walker slot in here and there. Probably going to expand on that role throughout the season. But when we have a limited offense in terms of touchdown upside, we just cannot be playing anyone in a three-headed committee. So like Rashad Penny here, even if he's getting a decent amount of volume on the ground, it's kind of like what I talked about with J.K. Dobbins, except for this isn't even a high-scoring offense. So fading all three of these guys... Honestly, I'm just so out on all these dudes. I wasn't really in on them heading into the season. Still don't feel good. So just kind of a gross backfield here with the Seahawks, especially when you're considering that Kenneth Walker should start to eat into opportunities. And then it's like just gets even worse if you're having Penny and uh, Walker split carries. Not great here in Seattle. On the other side with the Lions, unfortunately, it looks like DeAndre Swift could be missing two weeks. Honestly, in the long run, it could be best help him, you know, get rested. I think they have the bye after two weeks, so he'd have a nice stretch of rest, get back to close to 100%. It's probably best in the long term, but in the short term, I think if Swift is out, I think Jamal Williams is a really, really strong start. We've seen him have a lot of touchdown upside early on in the season. Now he's going to be getting potentially pass catching work if Swift is out. I think Jamal Williams, a very strong play, and then sitting, I guess, who would be his backup, Craig Reynolds, who we did see get you know a few opportunities on uh, Sunday with DeAndre Swift Limited. That leads us into the Chargers-Texans game. For the Chargers, Austin Eckler, not looking great. His value has definitely fallen off from where he's being drafted uh, You know, before the NFL season. I still think he's a start, but like I said, I may be talking about him a little more in depth later on this week about players falling in my rankings, but we'll see. Haven't necessarily you know, decided yet. And then sitting Sony Michelle, who's getting some opportunities, potential goal line work, but just not enough going on there to uh, start Sony Michelle. And also forgot to mention Rashawn Slater out for the season. It's definitely a big hit to the offensive line and likely a big hit to just the efficiency of this run game also. On the other side with the Texans, I'm starting Damian Pierce. Even though I listed him as a sell high player, I still think he's someone you can rely on week to week. I do have some concerns that if the Chargers go up early, Texans could get forced into a pass-heavy game script, which is not going to benefit Damian Pierce. It would benefit Rex Burkhead, but still, I'm starting Pierce. You know, he's going to have a decent opportunity to get into the end zone if they're on the goal line. He's getting that work and then sitting the pass-catching back Rex Burkhead. Then we have the Titans taking on the Colts. 
This is just a game where you're firing up the two workhorses. Derrick Henry hit a bounce back week three. Jonathan Taylor has been a little bit underwhelming, but you're obviously throwing him into your lineup. And then sitting Naheem Hines, who just doesn't have enough consistency as a pass catcher or really touchdown upside in this Colts offense. Then we have the Bears taking on the Giants. And so for the Bears, we saw David Montgomery leave in uh, week three. He didn't return. And then we just saw Khalil Herbert go out and tear it up. I mean, in games where Khalil Herbert is kind of given the reins, the man is very, very solid. So right now, it looks like David Montgomery is day-to-day, which we would assume he would come back in week four. I do have David Montgomery listed as a start, but I would say if you're a David Montgomery owner and you saw that Khalil Herbert performance, I think you got to be a little bit concerned here because if David Montgomery starts to give up touches to Khalil Herbert, even like a 65-35 split, this Bears offense is not good enough to give David Montgomery much of a ceiling if he is splitting touches. So if he's not getting, you know, 15 plus carries per game, it's going to be tough for David Montgomery to be a, you know, firm mid to high end RB2. So if you can kind of sell high on David Montgomery using his uh, week two numbers against the Packers, it's something I would consider because I would not be surprised if Khalil Herbert is eating into that work. Because I mean, even if you are a guy who likes David Montgomery, you think he's a very good running back. I think you still have to admit that Khalil Herbert is very solid also and is a viable play. And if you have two solid running backs, why are we giving one dude all the work, you know, wearing him out, breaking him down when we could be splitting it? Just something to think about if you do own David Montgomery. If Montgomery does miss, I think Khalil Herbert is a locked and loaded start. And then on the other side with the Giants, good to see Saquon Barkley continue to ball out. I'm recording this on Monday night. Apparently he was a little bit banged up at the end of the game. So I don't know if that's anything serious. Obviously, we're hoping he's all good to go. You know, he's been through enough injuries, but if he's playing, he's a start. If he's out, obviously we pivot. I still don't think this is a situation where if he's out, we go with a guy like Matt Breida. Just not really interested in his backup. I think Saquon's producing there because he's just a stud, not necessarily a great, you know, offensive situation. Then that's going to lead us into the Jaguars taking on the Eagles. And as someone who was a big Travis Etienne guy heading into the season, it's time to just give James Robinson his flowers. I mean, this man is a locked-in start. He really, I mean, like when I think back about how I was supporting Travis Etienne, I feel like the signs were there, you know, for him to be a solid pick, Etienne. Like, I feel like the process was right. You have this young top prospect who's competing with a, you know, a dude coming back from an Achilles tear, which has just been a death sentence for basically every other running back ever in the NFL. And man, James Robinson just does not go away. Like James Robinson is just a dude you have to be rooting for. An undrafted free agent comes out, wins the job as a rookie. Then he comes in, you know, there's a new regime with Urban Meyer. He still is the number one guy. And then he survives another coaching regime. And then it's just balling out, you know, right after returning from an Achilles tear. It is very, very impressive. And I thought Travis Etienne could have some value on this Jaguars offense, even after seeing J-Rob as the number one, because I thought they could be trailing in some games. Like I thought against the Chargers, Chargers go up early. Etienne gets used as the uh, receiving back. Turns out this Jaguars offense may just actually be like pretty solid. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has looked really, really strong through the first few weeks of the season seems like Urban Meyer just kind of massacred a team that's not like horrific. So at this point, I don't think ETN can be considered as anything more than a high-end handcuff. We could see him, you know, earn some opportunities just based on his own talent. But I think it's clear that James Robinson is not going anywhere. 
You know, James Robinson is consistently out carrying Travis Etienne. He's running more routes. He's averaging 18.8 points per game through three weeks. And so right now you just got to give it up for James Robinson. He's a borderline RB1 on a week-to-week basis. And then sitting Travis Etienne. On the other side with the Eagles, I still have Miles Sanders listed as a start. He's obviously not a guy you're ecstatic about throwing into your starting lineup. He almost gets hurt by the Eagles just being like this newfound high-powered passing attack, which I was not expecting. You know, I was definitely expecting an improvement, but I mean, Jalen Hurts is chucking it. Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown. I mean, this offense just looks great. So Sanders isn't getting overly involved as a pass catcher, so he is kind of relying on getting into the end zone. So he's definitely not a guy who I love as like a locked-in top 24 guy consistently, but I think he's like on the fringe of that and then sitting Kenneth Gainwell. That leads us into the Jets taking on the Steelers. And I talked about Brees Hall as a buy low option. This is time for Brees Hall to start taking over this backfield. He showed signs in week three. I have Brees Hall as a start, Michael Carter as a sit. Just to kind of reiterate what I was talking about, this was the first week where we saw Brees Hall out snap Michael Carter. Brees Hall was out there for 42 snaps compared to Michael Carter's 36. Brees Hall ran 10 more routes than Michael Carter. Brees Hall took 80% of the short yard situations. He took 86% of the third downs. He saw half of the two-minute drill, which is something that he hadn't seen in previous weeks. Just him eating into this Michael Carter workload. Hall was targeted 11 times for six receptions, 53 receiving yards. He also equaled Michael Carter's rushing production on three less carries. So it is Brees Hall's time, and I'm very excited to see him expand on this workload. For the Steelers, we continue to fire up Najee Harris. It seems like he's dealing with some injury concerns here. We saw Jalen Warren get some really solid work on Thursday night, which is not ideal because one of Najee Harris's kind of calling cards was that he's just going to have a massive share of this backfield. Jalen Warren looked good. If Najee Harris is a little bit banged up, it makes sense for the Steelers to kind of pivot off of him a little bit. Not saying he's not going to be the number one, but I mean, he may not be the guy getting 85% of the opportunities like we're kind of expecting here, but it hurts him because this isn't going to be a high scoring offense. There's not going to be a ton of scoring opportunities. So something to monitor, but I still think Najee Harris is a very strong start in your lineups. Then we have the Cardinals taking on the Panthers. I feel like I've said it with a lot of these big name running backs. I don't know if James Conner is a big name running back, but he's someone I liked coming into the season. These guys just need to get into the end zone. The same thing applies here with James Robinson. The workload is there. His usage has been decent. He will start scoring. I think this Cardinals offense is going to get better. Hopefully they can do it before D-Hop gets back, but obviously once DeAndre Hopkins gets back, it's going to be better. So I'm still trusting Connor as a start. Sitting Eno Benjamin on the other side, we're obviously rolling with Christian McCaffrey as a start. He just needs to get his receiving work up. I think a lot of this is coming down to just incompetent coaching. It makes no sense that on your offense, you have two solid players, McCaffrey and DJ Moore, and neither of them are getting the ball consistently. I mean, even if you just got to manufacture touches, get the ball in these guys' hands. It's not like you have these other dudes making insane plays, except for LaVisco with a pretty solid uh, long touchdown, but McCaffrey's obviously still a lock in your lineup. And then we have the Patriots taking on the Packers, and I do want to talk about this Patriots backfield here because I think it's clear both of these running backs are startable. I have both Ramondre and Harris listed as starts, but I do think Ramondre Stevenson is the running back to own in this backfield. We saw him kind of take over in terms of usage in week two. The fantasy production didn't match it, but that usage finally transferred over into production here in week three. 
We saw Ramondre take 62% of the snaps. Damian Harris took the other 38%. Ramondre Stevenson had a 65% route participation, which is really strong, and then also outproduced Damian Harris on the ground. Both of them got into the end zone. I think the only concern here for Ramondre moving forward is if Ty Montgomery comes back off of IR and they just give him back the same role he had as the third down guy. That's what could hurt Ramondre. Hopefully they don't do it, but you know Bill Belichick does love a committee. On the other side for the Packers, still firing up both of these running backs, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, both of them coming off of down games, but what are we going to expect against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? It just happens. Then we have the Broncos taking on the Raiders. For the Broncos, I think we continue to fire up Javante Williams. He is only going to get better as this offense improves. The offense has looked abysmal so far. They have the weapons. They have the talent. It's a unit that I do think will figure it out, even if they just looked horrible, especially watching them on Sunday Night Football was just pretty brutal. I know Melvin Gordon got the touchdown. I still think he's a sit. The volume is just not there for him. For the Raiders, we have uh, Josh Jacobs as a start. His usage is solid. Um, Saw really nice receiving work in week three and then sitting Brandon Bolden, who's more of that receiving back. And then just to circle back on the Broncos with Melvin Gordon, I think if this offense was clicking, Melvin Gordon is a guy who you could slot in in certain matchups where you're expecting them to go ahead. But when they're not clicking, and this is probably going to be a decently close game, he's just not someone we can be considering at this point in the season. And then moving over to Sunday night football, we have the Chiefs taking on the Buccaneers. This game is supposed to be in Tampa, some sort of uh, hurricane going on. I'm living down here in Tampa, so I don't really know how this is going to be playing out. If they do play here, if everyone's going to have to evacuate, I think they move down to Miami. But looking at these running backs for the Chiefs, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a start, but man, uh, Clyde is playing with some fire here. Through three weeks, he is averaging 17.7 PPR points per game. And you hear that, it sounds fantastic. Then you look at week three, the dude played only 40% of the snaps he had zero rushing yards on seven carries, and we saw you know, the supposed third down back McKinnon take 52% of the snaps and run more routes than CEH. So this is a spot where if you can sell his production, it's something you should do. I still think he's startable, but it would not surprise me if like over the next five weeks, we see CEH averaging 10, 11 points per game with a massive fall off from this hot you know, three game stretch to the season. And then I will be sitting Jarek McKinnon, Leonard Fournette, another one of these, you know, RB1s who has very top production like Joe Mixon, but just has not scored. I think Todd Bowles came out and said, like, we got to get some other running backs involved. Some people may believe that, you know, Leonard Fournette's about to lose a bunch of his workload. I mean, if you take Leonard Fournette from 100% of the opportunities to 85, it's not something I'm going to be complaining about. Leonard Fournette is going to be solid once they get the weapons back. The offensive line gets healthier. Evans, Godwin return. Obviously, Evans is going to be back this week. So Fournette just needs this offense clicking. He doesn't need every single opportunity. I'd much rather have 80% of the opportunities Fournette in a good offense than 100% where they can't even move the ball down the field. So Leonard Fournette is someone I'm still definitely starting in my lineup. And then Monday Night Football, we have the Rams taking on the 49ers. For the Rams, I kind of went back and forth with both of these guys, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. I'm just going to have both of them as sits. I don't think this is a backfield we can trust. Not only was the usage really gross between both of them, but I can't even trust that that usage is going to carry over into next week. Like week one, we saw 
Um, Daryl Henderson dominate the opportunities. Then it switches up in week two. It's looking different in week three. Like we have no idea what's going on here. And so in a Rams offense that has been struggling, maybe not struggling, but we were expecting a top unit. They haven't been a tough unit or a top unit. This is a tough matchup against the 49ers. I'm just going to be sitting both of these guys. In week three, we saw Henderson play 52% of the snaps, Akers 48, so almost a 50-50 snap split. We saw Akers take 61% of the early down snaps. Henderson took all of the third down work, all of the two-minute drill work. And then Henderson actually saw 60% of the goal line snaps. So even though we saw Akers get the touchdown, I don't think it was a goal line opportunity. I think it was a longer run. But if we've got Henderson taking the third down work, they're splitting, you know, semi-splitting the early down work, semi-splitting the goal line opportunities. I'm just trying to stay away from this backfield. And then for the 49ers, you're firing up Jeff Wilson as basically their only running back that they want to use, you know, besides Debo Samuel, who is, I guess, wide receiver, wide back, whatever you want to call him. But those are all 16 week four matchups. Let me know down in the comments what you think. You know, did I get a few guys wrong? Should some dudes be starts? Some dudes should be sits. Let me know. Any questions, drop those down below. I'll be posting the wide receivers today also, so go check those out. But thank you all for stopping by, and I'll see you guys in the next one.